Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Yeah, bugs it. Coos, what's going on, man? Hey. Are you all right? No, there's like a, there's like a, there's flies in here. I don't know what's going on right now. Anyways, what's up, everybody? Happy Monday. I'm Austin Lane. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Joined by Coos, pushing all the right buttons. My co-host, Brent Martin, will be here in a second. And you know what? I'm going to go on a limb right now, everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to put my, Sports reporting hat on here, and my reputation go out on a limb and say I think Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville. Okay, if you uh, if you listen to the Peter King interview with Urban Meyer, and by the way, we have the audio. We're gonna play it throughout the show. Oh, is that a Trevor Lawrence alert? Oh no, that was like a a needed dress alert. Draft needed dress alert, absolutely. And we're gonna have more of that. There's more of that came from later on in the show here when we do shock your mock. Obviously, it's a uh, it's kind of becoming a daily thing now. So we got shock your mock later today. But I love I love social media and I love Jake's Twitter. And you know, I mean, I I, I love the passion that comes from the fan base. And I love the passion that comes from the fan base when Peter King essentially asks Urban Meyer, you know, hey, Trevor Lawrence, is he coming to town? Is he coming to Jacksonville? Is he coming to Duval? And obviously Urban Meyer, you know, doesn't doesn't show his hand per se, but he goes ahead and says, it's looking like that. We're going we're gonna, to we're go in that direction. You know, he didn't come out and say we're drafting uh, Trevor Lawrence. But let's be honest, okay? This guy stood three feet away from him during his pro day. This guy chose to go to Sawgrass instead of going to see Zach Wilson's pro day. Yeah, I'd say Trevor Lawrence is coming to town here, but I get it. Sometimes a fan base um, that's used to suffering and, and rough seasons and bad optics, you need every ounce of reassurance that you can get. And this Peter King interview with Urban Meyer, it's just another, you know, it's just another 12 ounce just bottle of goodness that says, hey, we're getting Trevor Lawrence. Of course we know it, but sometimes we need the reassurance. Yeah, like a little reassurance. Yeah. Uh, that is a foregone conclusion. I'm glad we're not wrong by cementing this for the last three months, four months. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when Urban Meyer came to the Jaguars, it was nothing. It was all but a certainty. But, hey, it's still fun to talk about. There are two things that are interesting to me about the NFL, and you wonder how the NFL feels about it. One is Urban Meyer kind of basically saying they're taking Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the NFL feels. I think they like a little drama involved and just keep people waiting. But people are tuning into the draft regardless, you know, because number two, there's a ton of drama. I don't know why the NFL would care that much. The second one is Trevor Lawrence not going to the NFL draft in Cleveland. I really thought they'd probably they'd try to talk him into it potentially. And maybe they did. We just don't know. Yeah. But it seems kind of early. A lot of these stories come out maybe a week, week and a half before the draft. Mm -hmm. This is a month before the draft saying, hey, I'm not going to Cleveland. And so it's interesting with Trevor Lawrence, the Jags, Urban Meyer, I don't think the NFL would have picked it this way. I'm not saying they're angry about it. I'm just saying I don't think they would they love it. I think they'd like Trevor Lawrence there, and I think they would like them to keep it quiet so we have at least some drama. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. At least yeah. Make, make up some drama. And then you get the Chris Sims of the world or whoever else yeah. trying to say – no, they're trying to take Zach Wilson or Mac Jones goes has a great pro day or Justin Fields is a great pro. Oh, that Ohio State connection. Sure. You know, I think they yeah. like that. I think there's part of the NFL that's they're aware of that stuff. You know, uh, any press is good press type of thing. Mm-hmm. So 
They're not getting it. Uh, yeah. are, are you surprised that Ultra Lawrence isn't going to the draft? We already know that. And and I guess the second part of that, are you surprised going to Clemson and not in his hometown of Cartersville, Georgia? Um, am I surprised that he's not going to the draft? I'm not really surprised. Um, and, you know, good for him. I mean, I'm sure that's probably rough from your part because you're going to go cover the draft and he's not going to be there. So that, that could be bad for. Well, now I'm not. Oh, you're not going to the draft anymore? No. No? I don't. I, there's no reason to. Gotcha. Okay. Well, now I mean, might I, be at Clemson. What about the 25th pick? Well, yeah, yeah. The, the 25th pick is even harder for us. I mean, we we can have a per, we can have a meeting about this right now if you want, folks. Let's get I it. mean, I I wrestle with this. This is part of the coverage we wrestle with. But when you know Trevor Lawrence is going not be there, mm-hmm. uh, part of the big thing about why we cover the draft, and you know, we've done it for years outside of last year. It's been more than a decade, I think. I've I've been to drafts now, and the day before is really good because sure. you get the prospects. Like we talked to Josh Allen two years ago at the draft in Tennessee. Not knowing that he would be a Jacksonville Jaguar, but he ends up being a Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah, yeah. And so when you kind of meet him after the draft, do a little interview with him right there for TV and for everything else, he kind of remembers you from the day before, and it's it's kind of like, oh, cool, we got this. It's getting off on the right foot with Josh Allen. We sure. got lucky. Now there's also the chance that draft pick isn't there mm-hmm. all the time, but uh, I like the draft for the Wednesday especially for for that, be able to get all the prospects. Mm-hmm. And in this case, yeah, you could get. Maybe Kadarius Tony's there. Maybe Kyle Pitts is there. Mac Jones there. So there's other reasons to go. I just think by the time the Jags pick at number 25, a lot of our TV stuff might even be done. They might not pick 25 until like 11:15 or whatever. It might be right during that time. Mm. So flipping it around on the TV side is going to be difficult. It'll be a next day thing anyway. So then, what's the value of it? And let's be honest, the big story is certainly Trevor Lawrence. You don't know if the 25th pick's even going to be there. I think there'll be less prospects at the draft this year than in the past because I think they like the virtual stuff. I think the prospects like it, and I think the NFL didn't mind it. I think they want some folks there, but I don't think they need 35, 40 different prospects or 28 or whatever it was uh, these last uh, however many years in a row now. So I think that scene is really going to change. I just don't think now. I mean, I don't even know if we'll go up to Clemson. We'll see. Yeah. There's a chance. I mean, and again, the availability for Trevor Lawrence has been kind of slim, well, very slim so far. Yeah. And so I wonder if Trevor Lawrence gets picked Maybe does an ESPN NFL Network interview from his home yeah. and flies here and makes it to the draft party in Jacksonville. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it, it could be the case. It's like an hour and 15, hour and a half plane ride. If the NFL wants anybody to go, it's the the first pick of the draft in Trevor Lawrence. So, like, I'm sure they try to talk him into going. Um, obviously, has different plans. So, I'm not really surprised, though, because to me, he doesn't seem like the guy that wants all the attention. Now, the, the attention's coming whether you like it or not, True. right? Because you'll be, you'll be about to, your life's about to change forever, being the first pick of the draft and being the starting quarterback now of the Jacksonville Jaguars going forward. So, your life's going to change. But I think he's ready for that moment. But I don't think he's going to concern himself with, you know, the, the parties and stuff like that because he's just not that type of guy. He's been like that since his freshman year of college. So I'm not surprised he's not going to the draft. I guess I am maybe a little surprised that he's going to do like the, the party or the celebration at Clemson. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously he has a special connection there. Yeah, um, and Clemson helped him out a lot, uh, got him a national championship and, for for the most people kind of put him on the map. You know, yeah. I get he was a big recruit out of high school and stuff like that, but I know Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. So maybe he's trying to get back to university a little bit, help, you know, um just say thank you uh by having the party there. And then yeah, I agree with you. I think he's gonna get drafted number one, you know, wave and hug everybody or you know, I'm handshaking I don't know with the COVID whatever. He's gonna say thank you everybody <laughs> and then he's coming to Jacksonville. Well, I think it's interesting the infrastructure i think clemson has to do mm-hmm. this kind of stuff 
It's a little bit different in Cartersville. We went to Cartersville, and I, where do they do it? Like, how many people go? Is it this huge part? Well, you mentioned it, and I think you nailed it. And it's hard to explain this. I'm not saying every draft pick seeks attention. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. This is almost anticlimactic for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, he's been dealing with this stuff since, like, in eighth grade. Sure. He's kind of over it. Like, the, it, it doesn't – it does. I, I wouldn't say it doesn't mean anything to him. My read on it is he doesn't need that to check the box of, well, what another great experience. The kid's already had a ton of experiences, and he's going to have a lot more in his view, and I just don't think he seeks that. Some players do seek that, but I'll be honest with you. I, I wouldn't say I'd be seeking that if I was Trevor Lawrence. I might just want to go to the draft and say, hey, that was a cool experience. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, and I just think he goes about it. And that's something I learned on that trip, man. I've been to Clemson a couple times now, been to Cartersville. And if you talk to the folks around there, this isn't surprising. The more I thought about it, the more I you know, recollected some of those conversations, not surprising at all. He's just not the guy that says, I need to be here or there. He wants to just go play football. Mm-hmm. I think he wants his name called. I think he wants to get to Jacksonville. I think he wants to go hide out in the building. Yep. And uh, and and then just go on and play some football. So that's my read on him anyway. I mean, we don't even know him yet. I haven't even talked to him yet. But uh, the more you see, the more you read, the more you talk to people around him. I think that is the case. And I would say Clemson, just because of the infrastructure of it all, they'll want to talk to Dabo anyway. Um, so maybe it's a little bit easier to handle control at Clemson than it is even in Cartersville, Georgia, where you got to bully. You got to. Make sure that the guy at the grocery store that you went to high school with, you got to make sure he's there. And, sure. you know, yeah, you don't yeah. want to leave anybody out. It's just easier. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like having a small wedding instead of that big wedding. Yeah. yeah you don't want to yeah. leave anybody off the list. True. Very true. Yeah, it's a good point. So good point. Uh, it, it's, it is a, a bit interesting, but uh, it's fascinating nonetheless, as we now are a month away. Uh, by the calendar, we're a month away. Yeah. Uh, March 29th. It's a, on April 29th. And uh, now inside like that four or five weeks before uh, the NFL draft hits. And, and this is becoming a reality. And I think that kind of punched it home with our, our, our Urban Meyer saying that to Peter King, being like, all right, listen, we know we can't fool you guys anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, this, this guy's coming here. But more and more intrigue now on that second overall pick with Jacksonville. More and more intrigue, in my opinion, on Mac Jones. I mean, the Mac Jones conversation did not turned down a notch at all in the last couple of days. In fact, it ramps up because he talked today. He'll have another pro day tomorrow where he'll throw. And now San Francisco is front and center. Although Austin, we talked about this on Friday. I don't know if I believe it. I understand that's where all the smoke is. I still think Trey Lance is way involved in San Francisco, even though I guess there's a lot of dots that could connect Mac Jones. There's dots, but once again, I have a hard time believing that the 49ers can give up two first-round draft picks in the future to get a guy who has a lot of the same skill set of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, if you were to compare Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones right now, I think, you know, they're they're, they're pretty comparable. On the other side, like, if you're going to get that, if you're going to sacrifice that many draft picks and you're going to gamble on something, to me, you gamble on something that you don't have right now. You gamble on something that you want to go pursue. And to me, that's a dual-threat quarterback to play in your offense that revolves around the quarterback, that revolves around jet sweeps and everything like that. So if that's the way we're going to go, which I think that's the way Shanahan's going to go, then you talk about Trey Lance or possibly Justin Fields. Yeah, and I, I guess a topic I, I want to talk about today is I think Mac Jones is the most interesting player in the draft, and I've said that countless times over the last month. And I believe that, although now I'm starting to wonder, is it really Justin Fields? I read something today, maybe it was in Peter King's uh, column uh, while reading some of the Urban Meyer stuff, and it just struck me odd 
when it said could be the fifth quarterback off the board is Justin Fields. Yeah. Fifth quarterback. Like I think the verbiage he used was in the queue because there could be four quarterbacks go in the first four picks. Mm -hmm. And because Trey Lance makes sense behind San Francisco or Atlanta because you can sit him, kind of like we've been saying, right? It kind of feels like the guy you can sit and not be pressured to play right right away. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's reality, but it feels that way. So if Justin Fields is fifth in the queue or fifth off the board, I mean, holy cow. I mean, that does he become the interesting guy? Does Carolina stay away from him? Will Washington stay away from the Patriots stay away? Does he start sliding down? Because is there something we don't know about Justin Fields more than what we know about Justin Fields that has him going from potentially a second guy, mm -hmm. neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, he did out-duel in the national semifinals. Yeah. And now sliding to like number fifth or number five on the QB list here in this 2021 draft. I think that would be wild. As I saw that in print and I'm reading it, I'm like, Justin Fields, the fifth QB off. That just wouldn't have made sense two months or well, three months ago. Yeah. Um, is there something that we don't know about Justin Fields? That could be a possibility. Um, and when I say that, like, you know, does he struggle on the board? Does he struggle identifying defenses and defensive schemes? Because a quarterback's got to be able to do that a little bit. I've been very adamant about this. I just think teams are turned off from the bad of Justin Fields. Yeah. Because it was very, very bad. It, it, his bad was worse than Zach Wilson's bad, Trevor Lawrence's bad, Trey Lance's bad. Now, granted, different competition, what, say whatever you want to say. But the bad of Justin Fields was bad. Now, yeah. Mac Jones didn't have a bad. No, exactly. And there's very good of Justin Fields. On some of the biggest stages, there's good of Justin Fields. But I just think that bad is its so bad where it turns a lot of coaches off. Yeah, so that's fascinating. We'll, we'll get more into that. I think the Mac Jones, Justin Fields, now Trey Lance talk is is just interesting to me. And I, and I also will say this, and I, and I wonder if it will change it all, but the Zach Wilson just like – foregone conclusion at number two I, i'm still not sure i'm 100 percent in belief of that either like i get it where it's coming from i think the wow factor mm -hmm. and it's you know you there is a wow factor with wilson and i like the kid i really do and mm -hmm. and uh, the more and more i mean heck even look at the kid he kind of looks a little bit new york you know sure. like I, I think you can see him on those <laughs> on the Times square billboards and stuff like that i mean it has a chance to hit the jackpot with wilson i get it i i I would probably fall in love with the idea of that, too, if I'm a team or, or anybody analyzing this. So I, I do see that, although I think you could make the case a guy like Fields or Mac Jones or somebody else might be a safer pick. And safer is not always wrong in the NFL draft, as we know, because it's such a boom and bust uh, thing anyway, regardless of position, but especially at quarterback. So I'm not convinced. Uh, I, I don't know if I fully believe Zach Wilson's definitely going number two, but it certainly looks more and more like that's going to be the case. So where these other guys do fall to, I I think is is really fascinating and which one fits. And when you get Kyle Shanahan and you can make the case that a couple of guys fit his system, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, and they're totally different quarterbacks, it feels like. Right. I mean, all three of them, mm -hmm. Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields feel a lot different mm -hmm. uh, to to and Shanahan probably could get them all to work. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know if that's just such a good thing for Shanahan. That's a thing for the system. That's just today's modern day QB. But that's pretty unique. I'm not sure that's the same case in Atlanta with the number fourth overall pick that all three guys would fit there. Yeah. I mean, 
probably not. I just think the way Shanahan does things with that run game, um, being very versatile, um, kind of a lot of smoke and mirrors, it's hard as a defense to try to stop everything. Usually something becomes open. And when you have a defense that's on their heels looking in the backfield, well, where's the ball going to go? That opens it up for the quarterback. And all of a sudden the quarterback's job is a lot easier. So, yeah, I think Shanahan in San Fran, he definitely coaches a very quarterback-friendly offense. But at the same time, I think he's still looking for that certain type of guy to put that offense over the top. Yeah, and keep in mind now, uh, Fields and Mac Jones will throw tomorrow. so And, and they're kind of split up and more of their eggs are in the Mac Jones basket in Tuscaloosa than are in Columbus, Ohio. Whatever that means. Sure. You know, I don't know if that means everything, but whatever that means uh, will be interesting. The other and, and another topic that to get into today, we'll just brush it right here. You now have Joe Burrow. Mac Jones fits this mold. I think Zach Wilson fits this mold more than others. And not to say everybody, nobody's as experienced as Trevor Lawrence. But you're you're really taking one-year wonders and shoving them up draft boards. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, and that's a little bit of a knock on everybody, including Mac Jones. I'm not saying he was never a good quarterback or, or any of this stuff. But the bottom line is what we know of Mac Jones, the reason why people know Mac Jones and he's sliding is because of what he just did at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson was in like a quarterback contest a year ago mm-hmm. at BYU, and boom, here he is. Joe mm-hmm. Burrow had to leave Ohio State for Justin Fields, and boom, here yeah. he is with that one year at LSU. And by the way, it looks like he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But Justin Herbert played a long time at Oregon, you yes. know, and now has showed that he's going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played a long time and has long been viewed as this prospect. Mm-hmm. I think Justin Fields even feels a bit more seasoned to me, although it's not crazy seasoned, uh, but, it, but it feels a bit more seasoned. We already take a risky proposition in the draft. You take a ric- risky proposition with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And how dangerous is it with these guys, Burrow, Fields, I'm sorry, Burrow, Wilson, Jones, to just take this sample of 12, 13, 14 games and be like, that's the guy. Yeah, I think it's a dangerous thing for these teams. Uh, again, you talk boom or bust, and you might get it just based off experience. True. Um, it's definitely a dangerous game. At the same time, why well, don't think that the 49ers are going for Mac Jones? Because you could essentially roll out Jimmy Grapple for one more year, and if you guys do bad, then you wait the next year for that quarterback, right? Because, like you just said, Mac Jones, Joe Burrow, these are two guys that came out of nowhere. Zach Wilson. We weren't talking about Zach Wilson or really even Mac Jones being a, a first-round pick before the college football season started. Like, they, they earned that right. So if you're San Fran, you can say, okay, well, we can stick with Jimmy Grappolo one more year and then maybe find another Mac Jones or Zach Wilson. Will you find another Trey Lance, though? Will you find another Justin Fields if they go that direction? Well, we're not sure about that because I still think there's more, you know, traditional quarterbacks and there are game-breaking, you know, dual-threat kind of guys. So that's why I think that... San Francisco is taking Trey Lance or Justin Fields, probably Trey Lance. We'll see. I mean, you know, I'm back and forth on it. Just because those guys are a little more rare, no respect to Zach Wilson or Mac Jones, but they're a little more rare in terms of how they run with the football and what they can bring to the offense. Yeah, it's going to be really, I mean, it's a fascinating draft. That's the thing. It's okay to tell the story of the Jags taking Trevor Lawrence number one for the NFL because it's fascinating after that. Mm -hmm. The rest of the top ten, you know, we've asked, what's the most fascinating team? I'm sorry, uh, player 
in the draft. I, Mac Jones, I just brought up, hey, Justin Fields might be taking the reins now because where's he going to go? What about the most fascinating team? Talk about that a little bit later on. There's a couple of options here. Most fascinating team in the first round of the draft. I think it's something to watch. When we come back, though, Urban Meyer did say quite a bit. What does some of it mean? Urban Meyer on Trevor Lawrence and more. When we come back, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Happy Monday. Brent Martineau. I'm not the guy that likes to, like, be overdramatic. Austin Lane. Well, you, you're Live almost by. in tears yesterday. I was. So. Well, that was a little different. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, really not much has surprised me, other than the fact you just don't get to be around your players as much, you know. And in college, you got 75 guys rolling through your uh, facility every day and professional sports, professional football. Once that season's over, the next really mandatory thing is mandatory uh, a tra- uh, mini camp. And so I just, I'm used to, one of my favorite things to do is go down to the weight room and hang out with the players when they're lifting weights. And we have five, maybe 10. And, you know, we got a lot more now. There's about 20 guys rolling around here, but nothing's mandatory. And just, you know, I, I think a lot of people coach for a lot of reasons. Mine is relationship with players. And it's hard to get when you, you know, I talk to them on the phone quite a bit. I have not, I have not had one team meeting. Peter, think about that. I've been the head coach since January, we have not had a team meeting because we're not allowed. So that that's the biggest adjustment. That is Urban Meyer with Peter King. Spent about a half hour talking to Peter King. Uh, also some quotes in his, uh, what do they call it? it? used to be Monday Morning Quarterback. It's like, uh, mm. sp- uh, what the heck is that thing called that he does now? He changed the name of it. Yeah, Obviously, um, it's like NBC Sports, but uh, Peter King does it. Albert Breer does it now for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. And it's a good read. Mm-hmm. But a lot of quotes in there from Urban Meyer, an extended You're conversation. to his Good Morning, or I'm sorry, good morning. F- Football Morning in America. Football Morning America. That's on profootballtalk.nbcsports.com. Yes. Sorry for the awful uh, promotion of that, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there you go. Football Morning in America. I got and you, Peter. They do a good job with it. And so, you know, Urban spent some time with him talking. I think that part's interesting right 75 days on the job and he hasn't had a team meeting yeah that is pretty wild yeah you know so mm-hmm. urban talking about some of the adjustments to the nfl world he talked about it in free agency how he hated that part of it mm-hmm. right couldn't really vet the guys out couldn't get their uh get a relationship with those guys before bringing them in and see how what kind of fit mm-hmm. and now this where he'll he'll end up spending plenty of time with the players but this part is yeah i can't go down to the weight room and just hang out with these guys you know, yeah. uh, you've got certain time. And, and now guys will pass through that building, mm-hmm. but it's very intermittent and they might run into the coach. They might not, depending on what the coach is doing. So the adjustments are happening. What I still love about Urban right now is the transparency of even the adjustments. Mm-hmm. Like he's not afraid to be like, yeah, this part's different. Sure. I, that's kind of refreshing. I, I think I just had this expectation because I covered Urban at Florida. Mm-hmm. Or from afar, you know, from an hour and a half away. But again, they were very good at the time. So we spent a lot of time in Gainesville those during that stretch. Mm-hmm. And it just was like Fort Knox, man. I mean, it was nothing coming out of there and, and hard to get in. And it just feels very refreshing all these years later to see it with the Jaguars in this position. I kind of just had that in my mind that I think he'll clamp up. He'll be like Saban. Sure. He'll be like well, especially, Belichick. Especially his first year. Yeah, and it's just not. I mean, it's been really good. We, I'm not going to belabor it. We've talked about it enough. I mean, I think the fan, it, the fans are the big winner. This is not about me, the media guy. This is really the fans being the big winner 
that every time something comes out, you're like, hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Or the Jaguars.com even puts out the hunt, right? And he's sitting down with them and he's revealing the stuff from a meeting that he had or the draft meeting. I mean, those little peaks inside engage the fans, man. And I, I appreciate that from anybody who does it really, uh, you know, in sports because everything seems so clamped down and secretive. But I'm just a bit surprised that Urban's done it, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a smart thing. I think it's a great thing. I think any time you have a, a first-year coach who obviously is excited to get underway and, um, you know, it's his first time in the NFL, but regardless of that, a first-time NFL coach, you know, in a franchise that is in need of a turnaround, I think we can add that fan engagement a little bit um, and take them on the journey with you. Well, that's gonna get the let's get the fans more excited, right? I think the last thing you wanted to see was a new coaching staff come in here and you have like the Bill Belichick effect. Now, eventually, if you start winning games, and nobody's gonna care, but right now, where you sit, where you haven't won a lot of games the past couple years, uh, and you're in need of some hope, well, yeah, Urban Meyer's at least providing some kind of optics to get you excited. Yeah, I think the obviously he keeps talking about the logo. He'll say Duval. He said Duval today in that that football morning in America. He'll say the 904. Like he's really trying to get the Jacksonville brand out there. This guy understands that. Like mm-hmm. he gets it, and that it's part of it. I mean, it's part of it in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He's trying to be like, hey, we're not just stuck in this pocket. We're not this small market team. In fact, we're fast growing, and so is our our brand. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna help that out. And he's embraced that part of it. You know, I think when you're a professional athlete, you're sometimes you're a coach, you're asked to do stuff to help with the brand. I don't even get the sense that Urban's being asked to do this stuff to help the brand. I think he's the one saying we need to do this stuff yeah. to help the brand. Mm-hmm. And I think because, again, he knows that you build that culture and people will want to stay and then people will want to come. And then if you win and to, to him and I'm not gonna, this is going to sound bad to him in his coaching career, the winning is easy. <laughs> the building it up is yeah, the hard yeah, part. Yeah, the yeah. winning is, yeah. and, and the winning isn't easy. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. But if you look at his record, he knows that if he builds it up, the winning's going to come. Correct. You know, and yes. and when you you have a record like he has, then you believe that, like you know that you're like, hey, we'll win. Mm-hmm. We let's build this first and make it this place that everybody wants to be. So um, I, I think it's really cool what he's doing. Like you can see it. And and he's kind of bringing everybody along for the ride on it. And if you want to look into it and read into it, I I think we look back on it someday if there's some success, especially early on. I mean, a year from now, we're going to look back. And remember when he did this, this, this? Mm-hmm. Well, that was the, the table setter. And then five years from now, if it's really working, and Jackson will look back on it and be like, look what he look where the brand is now. Look how far it's come. I mean, I think these are all things he's putting in place as part of a bigger you know, one year, three year, five year plan. And a lot of that has to include obviously winning. I, I think one of the best parts of Peter King bounced back at him um, about the Belichick stuff. Cause he mentioned Belichick and how he learned and he learned from Brady watching a, in a film room and you know, how he shared that with his Ohio state quarterbacks. And, you know, so he brought up the Belichick and Patriots culture, culture, culture. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, he did have a quarterback and he's like part of the culture. Yeah. And so that's obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence, part of the culture. You know, hopefully he's the quarterback that uh, that that helps that out. So I, I think it's been fascinating to watch Urban Meyer in the first 75 days from a player perspective. Because you don't meet with him, are there a lot of players right now probably still kind of guessing, wondering 
like, what's this guy all about? We haven't had a team meeting. You know, we haven't been laid the foundation just yet. Yeah. Or they just sitting there enjoying their offseason and call me in, in mid-April when we're no, about to go in no, there. <laughs> no, I mean, like, there hasn't been a formal meeting. But like he said, he's seen guys in passing. So even in passing, whether you're sitting in the waiting room for a couple minutes chatting with guys, like, you can kind of purvey some of the things that you want to do and that you want to attack. And whether it's schematically or, you know, philosophy about the game of football, there's definitely some little nuggets that you can drop here or there or there and then when you drop one of those and obviously word spreads because players talk so while i think you know players are definitely enjoying their off season they realize it's going to be a lot different than it was last year most more than likely i think they still kind of have at least a, a varying degree uh of what's going to take part this up and coming season now until urban meyer gets in front of the entire team and you know speaks his piece there's gonna be a lot of question marks and there's still gonna be a lot of things unanswered but I think there's already some groundwork being laid in that weight room when he talks to his players. It doesn't feel like players, at least that we've heard from, yeah. or anybody has taken to social media or anywhere mm-hmm. and said and kind of questioned playing for Urban Meyer. I don't feel like we've seen that. I don't think I've missed that either. Does that surprise you a little bit that Urban Meyer uh, coming question? from the college game? Urban Meyer coming with whatever reputation he has. The pros, how are they going to adapt to this college guy? Sure. How's he going to adapt to us? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a pro game. It's a business now. It's early, 75 days in. But there's been no parting player or current player or newcomer player that's basically been like, yeah, I really wonder how this is going to work. Like, Chris but why, Conley, would, you do, but why well, would you do that? Well, like, I, yeah, I, let's, let's, let's think about I, it. Though. I guess uh, if you're a player in that locker room right now and you're wondering, well, I'm not sure about Urban Meyer. Like, listen, and, and unless your name is Josh Allen, um, you know, or a few other guys like everybody's under a microscope right now. And and then everybody's starting time could be in full, you know, could be affected. So I think to go out there on social media and say I'm not sure about this Urban Meyer guy, really, no, like, <laughs> yeah. no, that, that that makes zero sense whatsoever. Like, you have to have an open mind. You have to be optimistic until Urban Meyer gives you reason not to be optimistic. Like that's that's how the league works. If you have an attitude where it's like I'm not sure if this guy can do it, and that's your coach, well then more than likely you're gonna have a bad attitude in training camp, and more than likely you're gonna either you know fl- flicker out or you're gonna be good, but they're not gonna want you around because you have the bad attitude and you'll get traded away. Yeah. So it's just not a smart move. Yeah, and and you're probably right. By the way, they're such a young team, and there's so many question marks, and nobody's got the resume outside of maybe a Josh Allen to really be able to say too yeah. much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a DJ Chark does. But I I guess I've just been a little bit – I'm not surprised, but maybe even a Chris Conley exiting or Keelan Cole exiting or you name the guy that's not in here, maybe interviewed by now and says, yeah, that was that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, I'm not talking about somebody absolutely hammering Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering – somebody kind of questioning the – this is going to be an interesting fit. It seemed like when Urban Meyer got hired, plenty of people were willing to question how it's going to fit. Mm. Former players who are now analysts, that's their job to do it. But it felt like we heard some of that. Well, in the 75 days since he's been hired, I don't feel like I've heard any of that. Instead, I feel like I've heard, man, I can't wait to play for this guy. Hey, yeah. this guy knows how to win. Like, I feel like it's been the opposite. And again, I didn't think there was going to be this wave of, oh, my gosh, there's going to be so many people that didn't want to play for Urban Meyer. I just thought you'd always get a little bit of, okay, let's see. Let's wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And no. it just hasn't been anything like that. I I feel like overall, the the guys in this locker room, the free agents that came in, yeah. they can't wait to play for Meyer. Yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't, like, listen, I think 
from the narrative of, of media, like there's definitely some speculation there and there's some critiques there, and right, rightfully so. But from the player's side, he hasn't given anybody a reason why to go against him. Like even like Keelan Cole and even Chris Conley, like, yeah, they were let go, but I think they saw the writing on the wall. It's not like there's any ill will towards Urban Meyer. So like I don't think they would ever, you know, put him in a false light or question what he's about to do. I think players do that when they have a reason to. Urban Meyer's a first-year guy in the NFL. Like, there, there's no reason to question his tactics if, if you're an NFL player. That would be stupid because we don't know yet. Give him a year. Give him two years, and then let's talk about it. Let's have that conversation. But as of now, you got no room to say anything. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty interesting. What do you think about 17 games? Well, I, you know, I spoke the piece on it. Um, I think that the, the NFL players didn't get a big enough piece of the pie. But it is what it is from from my standpoint, a guy who covers the NFL and and is, you know, really is in fantasy football and all that stuff. I love it. I think from the player's perspective, I think they could have got a little more money from it. But if they're happy, then hey, I'm happy. Uh, 17 games was a foregone conclusion. Uh, the problem with players griping is and, and by the way, the players are OK to gripe like uh, Alvin Kamara can gripe a little bit, say it's dumb. As long as he said it's dumb a year ago as they were voting. And, and like, I wish a guy like Kamara would say, hey, this is why I tried to question our leadership and say we need more of the pie, mm-hmm. right? Because 17 is dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, I would buy that. But overall, the big picture is I don't think you're going to get a vast majority of players complaining because they know they kind of signed up for it. They did get a bigger piece of the pie. Not, well, that's, that's, maybe not that, enough. That, that's the bait. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's certainly and that's yeah. fine. Right. Mm-hmm. If Austin Lane is part of the CBA like you were back in 2011 mm-hmm. and Austin Lane is sitting there behind the scenes and saying, guys, we need more like we need more like they're going to get us to a 17th game. They might get us to an 18th game someday. We need more. Sure. Don't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. And if that's your thing and you're outspoken about that, I'm not you don't even have to be outspoken about it. But now it comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. I just want Austin Lane to be like, hey, I tried to tell these this. This is why I was pushing back against this. This this is going to be challenging. This is going to be tough. We need we needed more for that 17th game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I but, just didn't see that from the Camaros of the world no, and everything but, else. But okay, so let's say that I took that narrative, which I probably would have. I, I would have been one of the guys saying, hey, let's just relax a little bit. There's going to be a new broadcast deal coming through the pipeline. Let's just sit here and let's re like reaffirm how much money we're going to get and how much money the owners are going to get. Like I definitely would have brought those questions into light. The vote happens, we lose out, we sign the CBA, we get whatever the pie we get, so be it. But then. I wouldn't be the guy after the fact to say, well, I tried to tell you guys, now here we like, I mean, that, that does no good, though. Yeah. You know, like, well, at the end of the day, like. That. I, I'm just saying, hey, this is why I was against, I, I, just to reiterate, I don't think it's yeah. dumb now, a year later. We yeah. knew this was coming, yeah. but the reason why I, there was some pushback from some people, myself included, like, that's yeah. fair enough to say. Like, no, for I just sure, think, but... I think a guy like Kamara, like, to me, it falls on deaf ears now, the players complaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they they signed the CBA, mm-hmm. although in reality, just because somebody says they voted for approval for the CBA, it doesn't mean every player agreed on the CBA. No, there's I, a big it, difference. Well, when obviously the, the vote was very close. You know, I forgot like what the percentages were. Uh, the vote was very close. But once again, like I'm not going to be like, well, I try to tell like. Listen, when they signed it, I'm like, okay, have fun with that. I mean, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't think that was the best deal, but have fun with that. And at the end of the day, like, if you're Elvin Kamara and you want to come out and say, I tried telling these guys, and like, that does, that does them zero favors. Like, what what he should do now is, hey, 
here's what here's what happened. Educate yourselves for next time, and then we won't be here again. Like, if I'm Alvin Kamara or somebody that spoke out against this, I'm not going to try to put any player space and say, I try to tell you. All I would say is, guys, we got the short end of the stick again. Next time this comes around, every, what, three or four years, let's do our due diligence. Let's do our homework. Let's care about this thing for us and for the future and also the past and make sure that we sign a great deal. That's what I would be preaching for the next one. This is crystal clear, though. This is not to help players. This is to help us greedy fans. This is to help TV networks. And this is to help owners, you know, give their fans, their customers a better product than that goofy, bad fourth preseason game. Right. I mean, that's what this is really about mm-hmm. and still getting the 10 home games. And, you know, at least, uh, you know, two of them one year will be a preseason one what, the other year. And what was the trade off? Was well, it the whole medical marijuana thing? Uh, that's a good question. Let's talk more about okay. it, because I also have a question about load management. Is it coming to the NFL now because of this? Yeah, we'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Like, you don't have to scale back practice. You actually want to ramp up practice because you have to prepare your body for what it has to go through. Now, as far as recovery time and all that stuff, sleeping, that's all still important. So if you're going to prepare for 17-game season, you got to prepare for like you're preparing for 18-game season, right? And I understand it's a fine balance between overtraining and not training the peak and be able to survive it, right? So, like, you look at what's, what's going to happen is – Guys are going to get hurt because they're going to they're going to start saving themselves. They're going to start doing walkthroughs and stuff like that. Then when they go full full go, they're going to start injuring themselves. That's Bart Scott, right? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brent Martin of Austin Lane Coos back here on a Monday, and a lot to dive into. We'll get to the NCAA tournament a little bit in Florida State uh, Elite Eight tonight, Monday and Tuesday, which is kind of cool. I got to believe the ratings are down. In the NCAA tournament, yeah, based off everybody's bracket getting busted on like the first weekend. <laughs> well, doesn't Arkansas play tonight at like ten thirty or something? Yeah, and the late games. It's I mean, a little late. Sports and late games kind of are thing. Little, you know, a little late for my liking though. But yeah, it's late. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know where would there be better ratings if they put it at five and seven. I don't know. Maybe you could argue six and eight thirty mm. instead of seven fifteen and nine fifty five. I I think there are arguments to make. We. I think we'll find it as fans, you know, and maybe only the back half of that first game gets watched as much. But I think you get to see the complete nightcap. I never understand it. There's some reason they just won't change that right from the World Series to the NBA finals to the to this. They just won't change it. We're talking about 17 games. Two quick questions. One, if you were playing now, would you treat your body differently? You guys are creatures of habit. You take care of your body. You sleep a lot. All the stuff that Bart Scott was just saying. Sure. Would it change the way you do anything, do you think? Keep in mind, even since you play, there's a lot more science to it now. Mm-hmm. What, whether you do something different in the offseason, whether you do something week to week to be stronger, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just so, asking. So, so you're saying would I change a 17-game schedule? Would your day to day routine from a sixteen game? Yeah, would no. your routine yeah. to keep your body this the physically in great shape yeah. and healthy change at all? No, I, I mean you would obviously you would stress more on the recovery stuff, but you know, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to talk against Bart Scott here, but like to say 
like you you want to peak at a certain time. Well, no, like it, it's the National Football League. Like usually when you peak, you peak for like well, the whole tapering period and the whole peaking period. That's good for like marathon running, or yeah, like, yeah. it's good for like a one day, or like a fight. It's good for like a one day thing. It's not good for the grueling of an entire season because then say you peak like week twelve, week thirteen. Well, how are you gonna feel in week fourteen, fifteen, sixteen? Yeah. So like it's not so much of like you're trying to go towards one point. It's the fact that you're trying to maintain. Yeah. Like, you're not trying to lose anything. It's more survive in advance. Exactly. Exactly. So, I wouldn't change to, I mean, listen, I would change a lot of things. Not sitting here now at 33 years old, um, back to when I was that 20-year-old kid at the beach bars every single week, and I would change all that stuff. But from my routine, it would just be focused more on recovery. But, like, as far as, like, the training and prepping my body for the gruels of the season, there's only so much you can do before being overtrained. Do you think with 17 games, there'll be some players, that w- will we get load management entering the NFL like it does in the NBA. There are some games that don't matter in the NBA now. I Mm -hmm. think every game matters more in the NFL because of the 17-game nature. But do you think we have a chance to get some load management, even if it's just a tweak that some guy could play through, but it's like, listen, I don't need to play this week. We're 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 twelve and two, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I want to make sure I'm good for the stretch run. I'm gonna rest instead of push through it. Type of thing. I think it would be smart. Are they still gonna do the one rule where it's just uh, one playoff team gets the like the bye week? Or are they doing two playoff teams? We now again? think that they're going to continue with the seven playoff teams. That expansion of the last year, so, so that'd be only one, one team. bye. Well, so if you only have the one bye as well, I think you're gonna see a lot more guys resting because only one team can get that bye. And let's say maybe there's you know whether it's the Chiefs or the Buccaneers, maybe there's one team out of the AFC or NFC that has the better record than anybody, and it's a landslide. And it's like, all right, well they have the home field advantage. We'll let them go. We'll get the two or three seed, get the home field advantage, and go from there. So um, when we talk about competitive advantages, yes, that that bye is huge. But if there's only one of them to go around, well, then what's the next advantage? Well, that's home field. Okay, well, there's a couple home field advantages to go around, right? And depending how the, you know everything shakes out in the regular season, I think you will see teams rest guys pending that they are in a, they're already locked in to a home playoff game. And the other thing is you could make the case that home field didn't matter much last year, even with the yeah. expansion, because of the lack of fans. Now, that'll be different, hopefully, if there's full stadiums and you got those raucous crowds, and, and that really does give you an advantage uh, playing at home. Listen, you love it as a fan, 17 meaningful games. I do, the other thing we don't know about is they still haven't decided on this offseason. Like, are there going to be OTAs, minicamps? I mean, I wonder if the players get that out of this still. If they get the OTAs? If they get rid of them or at least oh. a shrunk down version of it. Because sure. remember, last year they didn't have that stuff and it was fine. I mean, the product was fine, right? Yeah. I don't know what the players' health was versus yeah. previous years. But I gotta believe there's a win in here for the players in the off season somewhere, even if it's a small one. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, you know, it's all about uh, team morale and player morale. And I think if you take away the OTAs, at least some sort of that, it's gonna increase morale. Yeah, I, w- I think so too. You know me, I might feel on it. I think it's while it's not a waste of time, that's over the top. Yeah. It's not as valuable as coaches and organizations and the NFL wants to say it is. Well, I'm going to say, though, it's valuable for a, a new coach and a new scheme and yeah. new players. Though. I think you do want it here in Jacksonville this year yeah, to some degree, right? To sure. some degree, even yeah. if it's not two and a half months long. Yes. Uh, Tyson Alualo has a change of heart. What was that all about? Austin had an interesting thought or two on it. We'll get to it. Four o'clock hour coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.